Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? Well, that's what we'll be exploring on the Xterra website, as well as on this podcast every week. And joining me this week, we're going to take some time to introduce ourselves to you and give you a little bit better explanation about what we hope to accomplish. My guest is Mike Turner, who is ostensibly the brains behind Xterra. And Mike, great to talk with you this afternoon. <laughs> Is it really? I mean, after all these years, we've known each other. You still want to talk? We're still crazy after all these years. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and yes, I do. Uh, just so you, so our audience kind of gets a little bit of, a, of an idea, Mike and I worked together on other projects in the past and found ourselves to be both available to work on this project. And Mike called me one day and said, you know, I've got this great idea. And here's what I want to do. Mike, what was that great idea? Well, it was basically that, uh, well, you know, I actually, maybe I need to back up and, and uh, start a little bit how the genesis of this all started. You and I were, were both pilots. Mm -hmm. We were aviation geeks. And we also grew up with the space program. And we've always loved space. Space exploration, the technology, the people. And, okay, that's fine. We all have our passions. We all have our interests. But to make a business out of it, that's a little different thing. Um, interestingly enough, uh, it was a LinkedIn connection. Uh, Chad Anderson with Space Capital uh, was out linking in with people la late last year. I guess he's been doing that for a long time. But, and he asked me to, to link in with him. And, and I thought, wow, this is interesting. There's actually VCs doing... Um, uh, investments into space companies. Now, that shouldn't be that unusual, um, but I hadn't really thought of it. You know, you, you typically think of venture capitalists in Silicon Valley or, you know, uh, Silicon Alley in New York or, you know, in the Austin area in Texas, things like that. Or here in uh, San Diego, actually, we're quite a venture capital uh, spot as well. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought, wow, you know, when, when the venture capitalists start getting involved in things, that means they're seeing potential. There might be now, some money to be made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you know, being a space fan, and, and, I, and I, I admit a bias here, I am an Elon Musk SpaceX fanboy. I, I just love what they're doing. I, I, I love the Starlink project, the Starship project, what they've done with Falcon Heavy and, uh, and um uh, the, the Falcon 9, I mean, you know, they just broke a record. They just relaunched the same booster for the sixth time. I mean, that's right. just awesome. Who, who would have thought of that? And um, and and that was the other factor. Um, as you know, uh, the audience doesn't, but as you know, uh, I've spent a lot of my career studying markets. Um, and um, what was interesting about this market is, is you say, well, you know, Space has traditionally been government, mm -hmm. billions of dollar projects, military defense. The difference now is, and Elon Musk hit the nail on the head when he talked about getting launch costs down. And, 
you and I are of an age where we remember all the talk of the space shuttle in the 70s, how it was going to lower launch costs down to like $1,000 per kilogram or something. It never did that. No, it never happened. And, no, never, never happened. And uh, but then but but you know what? That, that sort of primed us, didn't it? It, it? In our minds, we said, oh, wow, you know, that's that's a goal because. The, uh, people had already put pencil to paper or in this case, numbers in the spreadsheets, right. uh, uh, you know, to, to say, wow, if you can get launch costs down, you're going to launch more. Well, you can and, do more. And it was certainly a, a viable concept because the shuttle was the first reusable spacecraft. Exactly. It was the first and one that came it, back, landed, refurbished and went back into space, which is what Elon and some others are doing now. Exactly. But the problem was it was a, it was an elephant designed by you know what what's the old saying an elephant is a is a horse designed by committee a camel um, is a horse designed by a committee i think is, oh is that it okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um so uh you know so it, it it was it was doomed to failure i mean from an economic standpoint um okay that's fine you know the 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 road to success is 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 done on a on a on a mountain of failures um and since that, since that was in our minds right there, we were already primed for that. Elon Musk comes along and he's actually starting to reuse hardware. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, that's uh, launch costs are coming down. It wasn't just Elon Musk. There, uh, the launch costs were, were down. There was a paper. Um, I think I had sent that to you. The, the one just from a few years ago where they were talking about how, uh, there'd been a dramatic, um, and this was, this paper was like 2015 or something, uh, that there'd already been all these dramatic launch costs. And this is before Falcon heavy or any of the other, right. uh, came out and, and before, um, Elon Musk was even successful, I believe in, in even, uh, landing any of the boosters and, and launch costs were already dropping. Well, since then SpaceX has dropped launch costs, um, even further and and uh, when when Starship comes around, um, I think it's going to be even cheaper. And the FAA, uh, there was another report you and I were looking at from the FAA, um, and I believe this one was dated from 2018 about mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, the various launch uh, licenses that had been issued by the FAA, and and they had reviewed the different. Uh, Types of launchers, suborbital, orbital, geostationary, you know, what what have you, and the different um, rocket vendors, launch vendors. And sure enough, um, as costs were coming down, the number of launches were going up. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't just launches. It was also, we, we now have ubiquitous and growingly advanced computing capability. Um, right. what, what's happening in machine learning, we, we don't have artificial intelligence to, to me, artificial intelligence is a, is a marketing word. Um, uh, there, there was a, I, I saw a lecture by an artificial intelligence, um, uh, sub, uh, expert, I guess is the way you say it. And, <laughs> okay. and, and somebody asked him, what is artificial intelligence? And, and he says, um, it's the technology that's always coming. He said, what we have yeah. now is machine learning and, th- and that's really what this is. And, but he says it's very good and it's getting better. And he's right. Um, we've also had a materials revolution. Um, uh, you know, uh, talking about Elon Musk again, uh, just battery technology has been getting better and better. And, and I guess they've got some new, um, new insight coming up here, um, with ba- so, the so-called battery day, I guess next month. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just that it's, it's in materials, uh, carbon, uh, you know, uh, everybody, uh, everybody, um, uh, talks about climate change and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And, mm-hmm. and there was one person that was saying, what, what if that is the, what if our problem is the solution? 
In other words, they, they were talking about uh, making graphene. Um, mm -hmm. And there's been some experiments where you can take carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide, at least in the lab. Um, and, and they've been able to, to synthesize, I don't know if it was, if it was graphene exactly, but they were able to create some carbon compounds that were, um, that had some, that had some cool properties. And I thought, wow, you know, um, maybe that's, maybe that's what we should be doing is, is looking at our problems is our problems are actually our solutions. We're just not looking at them right. right. Um, and, um, so this is sort of a long winded way of saying, how did this come about? Well, being someone who watches markets, um, I, and, and Chad Anderson linking in, and I'm going, wow, you know, there's there's a there is a commercial market for space, and I began looking into it more and more and more, and um, I was really getting enthused. I, I was like, wow, this is a big and growing market. You know, uh, what is the Space Foundation estimates it's uh, somewhere between four and five hundred billion dollars right now. Morgan Stanley is looking at around 2040 for it to be a billion or billion and a half. Right. Or, sorry, a trillion. That's a trillion with a T. With a T, yes. Yeah, a T. <laughs> uh, uh, a trillion to a trillion and a half by 2040, I believe it was. And somebody else um, had looked at it and said, well, no, I, we're seeing a $2.6 trillion um, uh, um, space economy by then. And then, um, as you all know from last week's podcast, um, the, the Department of Commerce, whether people know this or not, they, uh, the, the Census Bureau is part of that. We've been part of that this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, one of the other statistical agencies they have is the Bureau of Economic Analysis. These are the people who put together the GDP figures. And we had uh, Dr. Tina Highfill uh, on last week, and she's, um, she is working on a satellite account of the GDP uh, to count how the space economy contributes to the overall U.S. GDP. When the government is starting to look at that, right. it says you got an industry going. And just to be clear, a satellite account doesn't mean an account about satellites. It's a, it's a, a spinoff of another uh, segment of what it is that they do on a day-to-day -day basis. So they yeah, call it a satellite it, account, but it's not, it's not up in space. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's sort of a, it's sort of a sub account. Right. Uh, of, uh, you know, like, like there might be an auto industry satellite account or a computing industry uh, satellite account, things right. like that. Um, but so suddenly now we're, we're getting some unified, uh, and, and quite honestly, this is, this is interesting in the, in the aspect that 25 years ago, I got into really researching the markets partly because I got tired of marketing firms creating their own definitions for a market. Um, and, and I was a marketing manager at, at a manufacturer at the time and, and, um, and, what what a marketing what the marketing researchers would do is they would say well you know well, we can examine your market and what they did was they ended up defining we would tell them who we served and all this and they would define this as a market and that's great except those numbers were totally and completely custom and um, this was not long after the North American Free Trade Agreement went through in the mid 90s um, and and they harmonized the numbers between or um, the, the economic numbers between uh, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada with a system called NAICS, the North American Industry Classification System. And with that, it may not give you the precise numbers into exactly how you do business, but those numbers give you a good overall idea um, in a consistent manner um, uh, what, what an industry looks like and how it's growing. 
um, and how it's growing relative to other industries. And, and therefore, you're able to tell what are the influences on that industry. Okay, let's fast forward to today. Now we have um, launch costs coming down. Mm -hmm. We have ubiquitous computing. We have material science that's getting better and better. Um, we, we're getting into more and more nanotechnology. Um, and uh, Well, I shouldn't say nanotechnology. That's actually a different technology. But, but, a, but a very a greatly miniaturized uh, technology. Mm -hmm. um, the, the article uh, uh, that was just up, I believe, it was it yesterday? The one about um, NVIDIA and the... Um, the the uh, changeable reprogrammable cubesats um, yeah. and uh, you know that, that that's fantastic technology because uh, NASA had traditionally been scared of radiation so they put um, they, they put the most simplified electronics that, that they could get away with mm -hmm. uh, up in space and it was the um, shuttle astronauts and later the ISS astronauts would bring their own laptops up to do computing and lo and behold those non radiation hardened off the shelf uh, laptops were doing just fine. Yeah. And, and so it, it, everyone, there was such an ultra conservative conservatism in the technology with NASA. And I, and I believe as brilliant as NASA is, it's one of the, the downfalls of it as a government uh, agency, because they, at a certain point, you don't take risks because of the politics involved. Private companies, you know, they, they don't care about the politics. They care about the investors. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the investors want to take the risk, away we go. Um, well, and the other thing about that that smart satellite thing is that, you know, NASA would always, if they wanted to do an experiment, they wanted to have a mission, they purpose-built a, a spacecraft for it. And that's the only yes. thing it did. It did one thing at a time, it did it very well, and then it moved on. Um, and this way, this is a programmable satellite that you put up in space, and if you want to have... X mission, then you send it that code. If you want to have Y mission, you send it that code. And it becomes a much more cost-effective way of doing things because you don't have to build a special satellite every time you want to change the mission. Exactly. And and I think what's fascinating, what, what's coming up, you know, uh, let's face it, Mar Mars is... Mars is in the future. It's it's in their intermediate future, and which I define as immediate future with is now to five years. Intermediate is five to twenty-five. We'll, we'll be on Mars in twenty-five years or less. Uh, probably, you know, certainly next decade, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, and then long term to me is anything after twenty-five years. Well, um, you know, you you start putting a moon base up there. Um, now, granted, you're three days from Earth. Mm -hmm. That's not such a big deal. You can, you can, you know, with, especially with reusable vehicles, you can resupply a moon base, but if it's 26 months to Mars, well, that's a different thing. Yeah. You, you're, you're not going to just, yeah, and that's you, on the right launch bring, window. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you're going to have to bring supplies, but more importantly, you're going to have to bring the supplies that you can turn into other things. Right. And, and I think the 3d printing revolution, um, is going to be big on Mars. Uh, that, that with, with people like Made in Space and and uh, so, some of these um, uh, Relativity, uh, some of these other companies that, that are in uh, heavy into into 3D printing. Um, uh, uh, SpaceX, talking SpaceX again, they're 3D printing a lot of the metal parts in their engines. Um, you know how they, they, they've just tested a serial number 40 on on, on the new Raptor engine. Uh, and, and got 330 bar. I think that's the highest pressure anybody's got, chamber pressure anybody's gotten for uh, engines. Uh, the the Russians had one slightly less than that. They never flew it. Um, of course, serial number 40 hadn't flown either. But um, uh, they just static fired um, 
uh, serial number 29 on the um, on the um, serial number six of the of the starship. Um, uh, when was that? Yesterday or two, two days ago? Um, but anyway, th- th- that's how fast paced this is going. Right. Um, and and um, be- because it's going so fast paced and, and because we're getting such advances and the costs are dropping. Yeah, you're going to have a space economy. You have a space economy now. It's it's almost a half a trillion dollars, mm-hmm. uh, by, uh, according to the Space Foundation. You're going to have uh, a trillion dollar. Um, wait a minute. What did I just say? I uh, that was four. T- it was a half a bill. Um, yeah, it was a half a trillion dollar economy. Now it's going to be over a trillion dollars. Um, here, actually, I guess in the next ten to fifteen years, and that's a conservative estimate. Um, and so, you know, we're looking at, at this being an exploding industry and government and defense will actually start to be less and less of that. And that's that's what's really encouraging to me, because once it becomes commercial space, the profit motive really drives things. And that's what's exciting about this. This That's what got me thinking about all this. And then when the... Uh, as it's been de- de- described, you know, the, the, the trash, the, the trash bin fire that is 2020 came oh, along. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and suddenly, uh, we had the opportunity, um, to do something about, you know, well, quite honestly, our opportunity was, boy, there was nothing else out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we, 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 we were talking and, uh, um, suddenly we, this idea was born. Let's, let's, let's chronicle this. Let's, let's talk about the space economy. Let, let's do what we've been doing from say the aviation world and some of the other, um, uh, industries that we've been in. And let's look at this, you know, as a space economy and Xterra, the journal of space commerce was born. And that's kind of where I come in because I was always a content guy. Um, I yes. was a broadcaster for 30 years, uh, did stints, uh, in, as they used to say on WKRP in Cincinnati, town to town, up and down the dial. Um, <laughs> and, and I certainly that was, a, that was a great show, by the way. <laughs> it certainly was a great show, and and it was about ninety nine percent true, <laughs> because yeah. I, I I worked at those radio stations. I knew those people. It was it was all there, um, and of course, as broadcasting came to be less of a of a thing, although there are still plenty of broadcasters out there, still plenty of radio stations, not as much need for uh, disc jockeys, as it were. And I moved into internet content. Um, I love podcasting. I love doing stuff like this because it's enough, it's a month, enough like what I used to do, and yet it's on a new medium. But, you know, Mike and I, as we talked about, and he mentioned he's in San Diego, I'm on the other coast, I'm in Northeast Florida, which is the other glory of the internet is we don't have to have an office. We, we sit at our houses and we do things like this. Um, but we, I wanted to be able to, to use the skills that I had developed as an internet broadcaster, as an internet, internet content creator, and do something that I thought was meaningful and, and had a great deal of purpose. And and Mike kind of tossed this bone at me and said, here, let's do this. And I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> that was easy. Uh, and I, I don't have the understanding of the financial aspect of it that Mike does, but you know, my role in doing all of this is to bring it all to you. 
uh, ultimately, the folks who are going to read and listen to and eventually watch because videos are going to be in our future at some point, uh, what it is that we want to create for you. Um, and so I'm kind of like you, Mike. I mean, I, I recall, and I told this story on the website on the About Us section, is that, you know, I was one of the kids that got to stay up late at the camp counselor's quarters when I was at summer camp and watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. So mm -hmm. the space has been a part of my life. I was 10 at the time um, and has, we, we grew up with it. Um, so this was certainly a, a natural fit for us. We'd been involved in aviation that led on to aerospace. And now we're just moving on up into the space category, which I think is, I think we're going to have a lot of fun doing this. Um, and I think we're going to learn a lot and I hope we're able to bring a lot of good content to folks that helps them learn some things too. I did want to mention, um, because we came up with a mission statement, uh, and a vision and the vision is to chronicle, cajole and critique the commercial conquest of space, uh, chronicle. Okay. That's easy. What was the, what was your thinking when you came up with cajole and critique in this vision statement? Well, <laughs> um, I, I, I sort of um, looked at the situation in the world as we've seen it today and, and over the last few years. We, um, we have a, a, a world that, you know, you and I were, grew up with a space program. Like I say, we, we were both watching Neil Armstrong land on the moon and, or uh, take his first step on the moon. And, and, um, and, and things have gotten to be so political, so polarized um, that, uh, and quite honestly, I, I'm a fan of history. And quite honestly, uh, so much crap is out there on history. Um, and, and there's a whole confluence of, uh, of things here, not just the technology, but, but it's societal too. Um, I think we have a complete lack of uh, understanding of history, true understanding of, of, of history. Uh, none of us really go into it that deep. Now, I, I like to, I, I love history, so I, I, I'm kind of a, I, I like to dig into it. But uh, I, I purposely used uh, it, what, the, the first part of our mission statement, uh, or well, uh, the, our vision is to chronicle, cajole, and critique the commercial conquest of space. I used, intentionally used the word conquest. Mm. It's today. It's an evocative word. It's a controversial word, um, because of real or perceived injustices uh, throughout history. Um, that gets us noticed. <laughs> it, that, that is that is meant to be a controversial word. It is meant to evoke emotion. Um, so if if you're listening to this and that evokes emotion, good. That's the response I wanted. Um, but it also goes deeper for folks who were, who did watch the space program, Tom, you, you probably, you're like me. You, you watch the old B, B movies from the fifties. There oh, was sure. destination moon and, and, and they talked about the conquest of space. Um, <laughs> and, and in a historical sense now, because space, the, the space commerce has been around literally since I believe 1963 or 64 with Telstar. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's only now really getting traction again because launch costs are down and because of these different technological convergences. Um, but the, the um, but but there's a historical sense to this too. Um, 
1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and, and uh, ended up on Hispaniola, the island of Hispaniola. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It took, if, if you look at, at how things transpired, it took over 100 years um, of exploration before there was any colonization. Right. And some of the first colonization, and of course this is where some of the evocative part of conquest come in. Um, but if you look at it, it was over a century before there was any colonization. And some of the first colonization, uh, Jamestown was a commercial colony. Um, it was not meant, the reason why they starved to death was they didn't, they didn't put farmers there. No. They, they, they put folks there to, to, uh, they, they figured they would, they would, uh, awe the India, Indi- the local Indians with their, um, with their technology and, and they do their bidding for them. Well, boy, were they wrong. <laughs> um, and, and consequently they weren't farmers. So, you know, Jamestown has the story getting right down in, even into cannibalism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but yet, um, uh, the, 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 the Spanish, uh, as, as, as they, uh, explored the new world, they, they were all over the place. They, they went as, I think as far North as Oregon, they went all the way down to Terra del Fuego at, at, um, uh, the, the end of South America. Uh, they explored vast amounts of territory. Um, that, that took them a hundred, that took them over a century to do. Mm-hmm. Um, then the colonizations began in the very late 1500s and then in of course it accelerated into the 1600s. All right, let's take a look at our, our space program. Literally it's taken us 50 to 60 years, mm-hmm. um, to just explore and, and to figure out how to sail the ocean of space. Um, and, we still, we, we've only just in the, what, in the last few years left the solar system with uh, right. uh, Voyager, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then I guess there's still debate, did they really, have they really left yet? I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, well, and that's, that's, a, that's a very good point because we're getting to, not we necessarily, but it, new definitions of what is the solar system are, are being defined. Are yeah. being come up with? Are they out of the solar system? They're beyond the orbit of Pluto. Okay, um, what? What? Where is the solar? Where does the solar system end and deep space begin? They're still figuring all that out. Well, and and what I find fascinating is if, if you look at the you know sort of the exploration of the new world. Um, first, first came the government, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was King Philip the second and. Philip III that actually financed these voyages to the New World, and of course they wanted gold and and silver and resources and what have you, and um, and it was all you know government and government always wanting money. Gee mm-hmm. whiz, nothing nothing's really changed, has it? <laughs> um, so th- then you started having the private enterprise, enterprise, the Virginia Company, uh, in mm-hmm. the case of Jamestown, uh, uh, later on the Hudson's Bay Company. They, they were at one time probably the world's largest company, period, uh, in, in the history of mankind. Um, and, and, and we had all these different commercial ventures and, and that's when, uh, it really took off, um, coming to the new world. Well, now that we're entering this commercial side of space, that's going to be the, the explosion now of getting people into space and, 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 and getting out there. And, and you can just see that there's a lot of parallels. And, uh, I, th- I believe you and I were talking the other day and I said, if you look at the industrialization of, uh, of the United States, what, what took us 80 to 90 years in, in the, uh, you know, after the civil war in the latter half of the 19th century and, and uh, early 20th century to become a, a, a manufacturing powerhouse, 
it took uh, what what took us 80 to 90 years post World War II. It took Japan about 40 years, right? And it took China about 20 years. And um, everything's accelerating. Well, we were just talking about space technology uh, and, and time to market. When when I started off um, uh, out of college in, in manufacturing, you know, we, we talked about uh, timelines of five to seven years of product life. Right. Um, by the time, 20 years later, by the time I'm kind of leaving the manufacturing sector, we're talking 18 months. Um, and th- this, this is rapidly accelerating. Um, the technologies, we're, we're developing them quickly. Um, and so the, that, that's the idea of, of chronicling, chronicling this conquest of space. Where cajoling comes from is we're cheerleaders. Right. We, look, look, I, on, on our website, you do not see the word news and you do not see the word journalist. Correct. Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, journalism, now, now this is only my opinion, and, and I and I think Tom disagrees with me with this, but I'll, but I'll let him have some <laughs> money. As a, as a uh, journalist, I, think, I probably do, but that's okay. J- journalism is like communism, unicorns, and uh, magic pixie dust. They they either don't work in reality or they don't exist in reality, and and the, these are these are always great ideas that you know people just latch onto, but they never work in reality. And in journalism. So purport, purports to be unbiased. Well, we're not unbiased. We're biased. We we love space. Yeah, we, we love we're space, space exploration. Geeks. Have been forever. <laughs> we, we love this. We we're, we're cheerleaders of it. So are we biased? Yes, we're biased, and we admit it. Um, and uh, so if you're looking for unbiasedness in 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 this in, in talking about the space economy or the space commerce, uh, this we ain't the place because we love this stuff. But on the other hand, we also love it to the point where. We will critique it, mm-hmm. but we don't believe in gotcha journalism or we're, tr- we're not trying to find the evilness out there and, and uh, you know, truth, justice in the American way kind of thing. The, the, what we're, what we, we will critique the industry and say, hey, you know, SpaceX may be – okay, I'm, a, I'm an Elon Musk fanboy. Uh, fanboy. I will critique um, the Starship thing right now. What, one of my critiques of it is I think it's great to get from – ground to orbit in a starship. I think the starship is going to be great for transport from Earth to Moon and even Earth to Mars. But the idea that it's going to be a great lander on the Moon or Mars, can it be done? Sure it can. I personally, I think specialty vehicles will be better for that. Uh, I believe the, I believe that, and this is only my own opinion, uh, going to Mars, I would rather be an inflatable um, Bigelow Aerospace uh uh, inflatable habitats with a lot of room in it for 26 months while I'm going to Mars and 26 months on my way back. I'd rather have some room than to be, than to be uh, cooped up, up in, in a, a capsule, in a, in a kind of space, you know, capsule or even a, even a starship. Um, so, you know, I, th- th- that would be my critique. Now, is Elon Musk going to listen to me on that? No. Uh, Bigelow Aerospace might like that. They very <laughs> or, well might. Or, or Sierra Nevada Corporation. They're doing that too. Um, but, um, but the but the point is, um, you know, we're we're, we're not going to keep our mouth shut either. I mean, if we think that that people aren't doing things right, uh, we'll we'll put our opinion out there, and you can take it for what it's worth. I mean, you know, it's not worth a lot. <laughs> you know what they say about opinions, and I won't repeat that story. Yeah, exactly. You know, the the, the dirty, hairy view of opinions, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, so. we're out of time. Who said you oh, couldn't oh, talk for is- half an hour? Yeah, don't you hear the music? Oh. oh my gosh, there's the music. 
Yes, indeed. It's been playing for a minute. That's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. Find us on the web at xterrajsc.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at space underscore commerce. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for listening.